it was the language to me that was overwhelming. And I thought if I could change the way we talk about it, that hopefully I can change the way we think about it and then change the idea of more women joining this conversation. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. This never gets old. I know. Nice and steamy. (laughs) Pretty hot. Literally, I do not want to fucking go shoot right now. Yeah, so sometimes Chris and I... Like at all. Yeah. Well, she has her own shoot right now. People think shooting photos is fun and games. It's the worst. We we are actually the worst people to Whiny work. ass bitches we're about it. so whiny. Like just to each other, we're just like, this fucking blows. I know, no, man. Never going to do another shoot. And then like two weeks later, later, we schedule another shoot. We're like, why the fuck did we schedule another shoot? Dude. Sundays are just fucking hard. <laughs> well, it's hard because like Sundays are like day of rest and, and day of no makeup. Day of no makeup. Day of no look. Anyone yeah. that does a look on a Sunday, like praise, <laughs> praise. So many do. So many do. I mean, I don't, dude. Yeah, I just don't want to fucking put clothes on. I don't want to like run around and like change my clothes. And <laughs> no, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> first, first. Whatever first problems. world problems. First oh, world also, problems. so I got Everly Well. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ugh. this isn't sponsored, but so Everly Well does testing um, for like your metabolism, thyroid can do food sensitivity, but basically it's like blood samples, mm-hmm. spit testing, um, and stuff. So I'm really excited. I have my kits, and I went to go puncture myself today, and I couldn't get enough blood. What do you mean? I literally are you pu- a zombie? I punctured myself three times, and it wasn't blood wasn't coming out. Wait, are you serious? It's not weird. I'm like either it's clotting. Or I'm not drinking enough water. You need to leave. I know. I was like, Freaking oh, this is a problem. Out. So I need to wait till I like shave my legs or something. Just wait till I get yourself. a natural cut. Jesus Literally, I was like, I need to wait till I get a natural cut and I can use this blood. <laughs> I tried three pricks. I didn't know it was a blood one. I still have yeah, to do mine. Honey, it's all blood. Oh, really? Yeah. And I usually am not afraid of blood, but I kind of got over it. I was like, just do it. This is for the, yeah. I did a heavy, I'm going to do a heavy metals oh, test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like a, not a fertility test, but it's like. See how many eggs you have. Yes. Yeah, something like I wonder that. how that would fit. Find out. Your blood says so I don't, much about you. I know. I think it's um the quality. I don't think it's how many eggs. Mm. Yeah. Um, Damn. They're like, you got some shitty eggs, girl. I'd be like. Oh, you got some typical. weak ass eggs, honey. <laughs> I know. I'd be curious. What? Like what? How are they going to be like, yeah, your eggs are amazing. Like what? You're like, I okay. should put that in like a dating profile somewhere. Have amazing eggs. Oh my God, you should. You know? Yeah. You should be like, I've really well said I'm like top percentile of eggs. And they're going to be like left swipe. Remember when you were recording, you had the snot hanging on your nose? <laughs> oh my God. It was the <laughs> funny. Dude, we were recording. It was like a long day of recording. We had been recording forever. 
And like we were recording an ad spot and Lindsay was like leaning over and she had this. I had a cold. She had a cold. She had a snot hanging from her nose for like four minutes. I I thought I was seeing something. I thought it was an oasis. I'm like, I think I'm seeing something. A mirage. A mirage. I thought it was a mirage. And I'm like, oh, that can't be what I think it is. And she was, didn't want to. Because of the sound. Because of like, we were recording an ad spot. So I was like, okay. But I didn't know it was that bad, but it was definitely so a bad. snot bubble. It was amazing. It was so bad. I um, Boogers run in my family. Huh. All my sisters and bro- we always have a booger in our really? nose. Yep. Everyone's always saying, hey, you got a little something right there. Huh. And I'm like, I know, but thank you for pointing it out. Yeah. Like, do you tell strangers about boogers or no? Um, it depends. Yeah. I, I do friends. Sometimes strangers, I'm lazy. I'm like, huh. Oh. I know. Erica Kimmick one time picked my booger out of my nose and I've never felt closer to someone. Yeah. She's That's like, hey, cute. you have something in your nose and she picked it out and I literally have never felt closer. That's cute. It's like, um, what? I would like to do that with like a boyfriend. Like I'm going to do that now. Boyfriend, you know? Yeah. I'm sure you do it to Justin. Like kiss it. La, la, la. Yeah. Eat it. He always has a one little hair that like on his little nose that hooks around called a bull ring. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. I bet he'd be happy I'm talking about that. <laughs> But I watch it. I'm like, we need to trim that little bowl ring. It's so interesting to see, like to notice when boys kind of don't pay attention to a certain part of their self care. So like they could be like good, like right from far away. And then you get close and you're like, oh wait, you don't give a shit about that. hundred percent. Dude, skin. It's like my grandma. Boys don't give a shit about skin. I'm like, you need to take care of your skin, homie. They're like, yeah, it's just been flaking for like. He's three like, months. what do I need to do? Just tell me what I need to do. But I don't know what. I don't know. I'm not a derm. Yeah, same. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what solution I should give you. Yeah. But like, we need to get you started on a regimen, dog. Like, or like plucking hairs. This, yeah, man. that. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. It's like with my grandma, she can't see anymore, and like, literally, she'll have like a three inch long hair coming out the side of her face, and I'm like, oh, we should pluck that. Yeah, you should. But she doesn't. You didn't see it, you know? Yeah. Just like whatever. <laughs> Fuck. No joke. Three inches. Damn, dude. I have one that grows out the side of my face. On my mole, man. But I pluck it. That's fucking traumatizing. What is happening? That I have a fucking hair that comes out of my You mom. know? Yeah, man. It's the worst. My sisters I have it too. I just can't believe I went my life until I got older. And then like, I, I bet I was at places and people saw it and didn't say shit to me. I know, but what do you say? Girl, fix your face. <laughs> pluck. Pluck the pluck a curly cue. Give a little pluck. Like you're waxing your eyebrows t- to oblivion. 100%. Move that wax over down on your face. Yeah. Plucky, plucky. I have one that grows on my collarbone. It's very weird. Oh, wow. It's just one. Hmm. And I'll forget about it for like months. And then it's like an inch long. And I'm like, it's so weird. It's the craziest Collarbone's thing. random. Random. Anyway. anyway, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just girl talk over here. Almost thirty podcasts. Talk. We're a podcast about life transitions, so we talk about health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, money, hair sex, growth. love, hair growth, moles that grow hair. And today, you know, we're talking about we're having some more girl talk. Yeah, like the coolest and the cutest of the bunch. Man, we had so much She's fun. So smart. She's so dope. I love her. Ooh, so here at almost thirty, we are trying to get on the right side of finance, you know, like we've just been learning as we go. And I think as women, you know, one, we need to have more money to have more power. So learning how to save, to invest, to manage money, like this is what we need to do in order to have more power, but also just feeling empowered. Like 
I, it is something that scares the living fuck out of me. Anything having to do with finances and money. I just don't know enough to feel like I, you know, can face it head on. So these types of conversations are necessary for me. And I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. Nicole Lappin, she is amazing. She wrote Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. Um, so she's been in the game for a while and she really makes finances and money approachable, which is awesome. And we also talked about, um, her journey with IVF, which she's been mm, very open about. Yes. She's been very real, raw and honest. And that's why I love her is cause she is so real and honest. And, um, she's such a light. We had so much fun on this conversation. So we talk about finances, like Lindsay said, but we also talk about her journey mm. with IVF. So, um, here to educate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really good one. So um, please send in your questions in the secret Facebook group. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to have Nicole on again and have more of these conversations with women like Nicole who are you know, in that world. Um, and we just love you and we want you to feel like you can handle anything yeah. ever. Okay, enjoy this episode. Love you. So we are um, on the west side of LA, kind of close to Brentwood, and um, Krista lives in Venice, but we are in West LA right now. Oh, I just left LA. Shut up. Yes. Oh my God. Do you love LA? I was at the, yeah, well, I'm from LA originally. Oh, duh. Okay. Um, And yeah, no, I was there for like a week. That's so silly. I, I'm sorry that this got all crossed, but um, yeah, no when I went to Cincinnati and I just got back to New York. I was in Cincinnati for the sex toy conference. Wait, amazing. Of First of all, I'm from Cincinnati. And second of all, how are they having a sex toy conference in Cincinnati? <laughs> um, so this company called Pure Romance, which you should look up immediately. Honey, I, I had Pure Romance parties in college. <laughs> Duh. Wait, what? No joke. In my college, yes. In college, I would have sorority pure romance parties. (laughs) Everyone would come and like giggle and like buy condoms and dildos. What? Okay. So, Krista, you're the first person that I've told that knew what pure romance was, but everybody wanted to know everything about them. And it was their annual convention, and like 5,000 women who are boss bitches came. Fuck. Wow wanted to talk about money and shit. Yeah. Damn, it it's crazy. like, oh, you're such a perfect fit for that. Because yeah. it's essentially network marketing, I think. Right? Yeah, it's multi-level marketing. Multi-level yeah, marketing. Exactly. So it's like Mary Kay for sex toys. So and like cool. a lot of these companies have like multi-level, like for oils and shit, like doTERRA or right. Young Living or like there's a ton of stuff that you like can also just make a boatload of money by signing people up and doing nothing. But yeah, that's crazy that you, wait, where did you go to college? You had them at sororities? Yes. I wasn't invited. Oh my God, honey, <laughs> you should have been invited. So we were, I went to college in um, Miami of Ohio. So in Ohio, in the beautiful Ohio. So we had our pure romance parties like with the sororities, which is uh, hilarious. Like now thinking about it, there was one girl, her name was Paige. She was like, we were 20. She was married already because it's Ohio. Oh, and she um, was like the leader of the pure romance parties. And I, they were bumping. I mean, it was like a blast. But it's so funny because my idea of like sexuality and sex back then, you know what I mean, was so like myopic. It's mm. like sex. It's It was like four guys. It was like, I'm going to get course. this 
like these crotchless panties and this like, you know what I mean? Like these nipple tassels. Like, I don't even know why. Cause I think like a guy's going to like it. <laughs> so true. Wait, is that a true story? A hundred percent. Well, actually no nipple tassels because like probably too insecure, but I definitely bought the edible underwear. Oh my God. It was like a fruit roll up. It was like a fruit roll up and it was like not cut cute. So it was like up to my belly button. I was like, oh, these are like fruit roll up grannies. Who uses dental dams, first of all? Oh my God. 100%. And like, I I put like La Mer and like super expensive shit on my face. But like, why would I buy some nasty ass, janky like lube? where I I don't it's questionable I don't know if it's vegan or what but like you the guys don't care because we're the ones putting inside literally guys do not we work with a few we work with a few brands we work with unbound babes and um woo for play which is like an organic coconut oil coconut lube Mm -hmm. lube and um unbound is like empowering women and they have like sex toys and all of that but like it's marketed and presented in a really like empowering like female positive way it's Mm -hmm. really cool check them out Oh, I need that in my life. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, say it slowly. <laughs> yeah, the the website is unboundbabes.com. The brand is Unbound. And then the lube is woo, W-O-O, four F-O-R, play, P-L-A-Y.com. Yeah, so and that one's, co- that one's coconut oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like with stuff like that, like pure romance, I mean, it makes sense because... You know, it's kind of like a bachelorette when totally. like a stripper comes. Yeah. But just know? in case you're looking for more vegan, you know, like body friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Actually, the woofer play is really delicious. I, I like eat it sometimes. Same. It's so good because it's coconut oil and then it's got stevia and like vanilla. Oh my it's God, like a I'm nice hungry. little treat. <laughs> yeah, it's like right by your bed. You're like, I want a yes. snack before bed. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my man. God. Yes. But Dude. that's the thing. Like if. Because you could do this in like Cincinnati or you could do this in Ohio or whatever, like mm-hmm. if we're just keeping it real. But like if we're in LA and they wanted to do sex parties and stuff like that, then that would be a way better product. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I don't know. Totally. Anyway, they sent me a whole box of like samples and stuff and it was like birthday cake lube and like lemon cello mm. lube and I opened it and I'm like oh my god this smells like like Elmer's glue like oh god. God. um anywho so sorry I know you guys have to work and stuff like that no um, worries but I digress and I'm on your website and Max Lugavere is the cutest dude I mean come on it's like they, our group too was it, like they freaked out they were like who wants to hit it <laughs> Literally all of them were like, oh my God. Like one of the girls was like, Max can get it. I was like, you guys are fucking savages. But he's cute as hell. He's so cute. He's so smart. He came in like his PJs and we freaking hung out Mm -hmm. and was so sweet. Mm -hmm. Like he's just so sweet. And he's like, he's a workhorse. Have you, do you know him personally? Yeah, there's actually a really cute picture of us somewhere on the internet. Um, I don't know. uh, But it was for, he came to my book party and I was like, yeah, I guess if you Google both of our names, um, it was like, a <laughs> you're like, I'm not saying, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm just throwing it out there. Like, we'll start the rumor. We'll start it back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make a meme of your guys picture together. Be like couples that yes. you thought should have been together. <laughs> yes, please. 
Oh, okay. We just love to jump in. Cool. You know, you're someone that we've been like watching from afar for a while now. And, you know, the topic of money, finances, money mindset, investing is something that we've been talking about more and more, both Kristen and I and in our group. And just, I think women in general, like really want to be empowered, but they don't know where to start. Now, what what is your story? Like, what is your money mindset story? Like, has that changed over the years or have you always been like just really on top of it and at the forefront of like knowing what is up in that world. Oh, I've so always been on top of it. Like I grew up in a picture perfect home. Like I read the wall street journal basically in the crib. <laughs> you know, my family was so good to me. I'm just kidding. No, this girl. Uh, I grew up in a super broken home. Like my father mm. died of a drug overdose. I could not have been given a shittier hand in life. I'm first generation American. So as an immigrant's daughter, we used a lot of cash growing up. Uh, Mm. And so I didn't know anything about what a stock was, what a bond was, except of course, wanting to be bond girl, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I was super, super clueless. Like I was so intimidated by the conversation of money. And my boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. Seriously, like a douche in high school, right? (laughs) You're like waiting for a reaction. Literally. (laughs) We're like, well, yeah. Seriously, I thought he wanted to be in gardening. Um, That is actually not a joke. Oh my God. And And he's probably like, she's going to be such a great housewife. He's like, she's so cute and dumb. She's going to be great with our kids. (laughs) And I, he said I couldn't hang out with his Wall Street friends. And I'm like, I think they don't want to hang out with me now. Y'all, I say y'all like I'm, from the South. I'm not, I'm from LA. Um, but <laughs> you know, it was crazy because I'm obviously laughing last. I'm Burnett L Woods. Thank you very much. Yes, and I just looked back to my former self and I was the girl who was smiling and nodding and not joining basic money conversations because I was too freaked out and scared and wanted to break out into hives anytime it came up. And the truth is I didn't want to do anything in business or finance. I didn't want to get my financial life together. I didn't, I certainly never thought I would be talking to other people about it. And I just needed a job. I just needed a job out of college or actually while I was in college. And I went to a small broadcasting station in Chicago, which is where I went to school at Northwestern. And uh, I wanted to work in big market Milwaukee. Uh, I was in local news and I wanted to just be in the news business. And so you sort of work your way up through or back in the day when I was young, mm. <laughs> you go like little markets and you make your mistakes. In theory, you don't make those mistakes when you get to network news or big markets, which was not the case for me, but I continue to mess up as I continue to do today. But I was already in South Dakota and the Lexington Kentucky. And I went into this company and I said, I want to work in Big Market Milwaukee. Um, I will take the train every day. And they're like, you're crazy. You're clearly not from around here. I'm like, no, I'm not, but I will do anything. I don't know how long that train ride is, but I will for sure do it. And they're like, "Um, no, you don't get that job. And by the way, why are you wearing an Ann Taylor suit and his chair? You look ridiculous. You're like not even 18. Because that's the requirement. I, like, <laughs> I know. Right? I, it was like a whole bunch of imposter syndrome and a whole bunch of fake it till you make it. And that's exactly what I did. I was so devastated that they didn't offer me that job that I 
didn't realize they were offering me another job instead. They were like, do you know anything about business news? And I am like, uh, and this, all of the stuff with the, like the hedge fund douche had, had happened and I was freaked out and I like didn't have a credit card or anything. And I just said, like, absolutely. I love business news. I love it all day, every day. And I totally, totally lied. And I just faked it till I made it. Fuck. Wow. I mean, you have to. You have to, when you're presented, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, in that moment that this is an opportunity for you and you, you have no choice, but to, so from there, did you just like dive head first into that world? And where, where did the uh-ohs come up as like, <laughs> was it ever revealed that you didn't know? <laughs> I thought my badge was not going to work every single day I went in and it did work, but that just meant I had to work harder. Yeah. And I realized that money is just a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone growing up. Like, I don't know why we need to learn the Pythagorean theorem, which I guess we could all say now. I don't know why we need to know that. I think it was like A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yeah. Like, why? That why? was a why? That Good a for you. <laughs> or like dissecting a frog. Why? <laughs> Why don't Dude. we learn how to do our budget or do a cha- or do our taxes or write a business plan or any of this stuff? We don't learn this stuff. And I can look back at my former self and be like, well, you know what? I came up through a shitty upbringing. Like I didn't have anyone looking out for me. I didn't learn this stuff in school. Like, wow, wow, wow. My boyfriend sucks. This not. Or you could say, I forgive my former self for what she didn't know. And then I got to get real. And that's exactly what I did. So it started looking like Chinese at first Then it sort of morphed into like a romance language where I could (laughs) sort of understand what was going on. And then I not only could understand it, but then I spoke it to the world and I realized it's not that complicated. Like any language, once you learn how to speak it, hello, Captain Obvious, uh, you can understand what's going on. And that's, that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden I, realize it's not that complicated like short is not the opposite of tall it's the opposite of long it just means something's going in the pooper like once you learn that it sounds very intimidating going in or an equity is just a stock it sounds like a fancy word but that's it like Mm. it doesn't need to be as overwhelming as it seems like when i went in i would wear maxi pads under my armpits because i wish so sweaty and so scared of being found out. And so, yeah, fast forward more than a decade later, um, I was on super prestigious business news networks talking to a lot of old rich white dudes about money. Damn. And I, you know, I wasn't really helping them learn anything they didn't know that they could figure out the Dow without me. And I realized like, you know what? I want to talk to my former self, the girl with the big maxi pads and the teased hair and the imposter syndrome and tell her like, it's not as overwhelming as it seems. A man is not a financial plan and it doesn't matter what has happened before. And just because it's the way it's always been done doesn't need, doesn't mean it's the way it needs to always be that way, but it was up to me then. And I then wanted to be the voice where I could speak the way I'm speaking to you ladies right now um, about money because it was the language to me that was overwhelming. And I thought if I could change the way we talk about it, that hopefully I can 
change the way we think about it and then ultimately change the idea of more women joining this conversation. Did you always have the vision for what you were going to do or was it, did it like evolve? <laughs> um, first of all, I really hate, I hate so many things. So let's just very long. But, um, <laughs> I, the idea of so-called experts, you guys can't see me. I wish I was hanging out with you right now, but like Same. experts <laughs> in bunny ears who say, just go do what you love. Like YOLO, follow your passion. And I'm like, I did not have that luxury at all. Yeah. I, like I said, just needed a job. And I figured out how to love the shit out of what I did and not the other way around. And I think that's just my personality. Like, I'm not going to lie and say I love business news. I didn't. And that's the honest answer. Um, and I think that people can tell when you're lying. And let's keep it real, like business and mumbo jumbo, like this is not that sexy. And it's not like, Hey, I'm going to burn my bra and like go into financial literacy. Like, yay. (laughs) And I'm going to start an artisanal chocolate shop. Like one thing is not like the other. Um, and I think that there, there is a place where you can have the luxury of chasing exactly what you love and trying to make it a job. Although it's not always a job, which we can get into. Sometimes it's a hobby and not a jobby because the job you actually have to make money. Um, but for me, I didn't like it until I figured out how to make it something I did like. So as I kept getting jobs and I kept going through my career, I finally got to a place where I said, okay, well, here are the cards I was dealt and here's how I can make I could play the game in a way that makes me happy at the end of the day. And and how did you start to love that job? I think mm-hmm. like a lot of our listeners talk to us about, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they don't have the flexibility or the opportunity to just quit their job and start something new. So how did you find the joy or the passion or something that lit you up within the business world? So... I agree. And I talk about this a lot in Boss Bitch too, where Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about leaving your job. And I did that. Um, I did it really hastily. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done it in the same way. Um, And I talk really openly about that. And I instead would have looked at where I was and found ways within that job to make it something I loved. And I give a bunch of examples, whether you are working at a dentist's office as a receptionist and you fucking hate it every single day, but you really love flower arranging or whatever. It can be so random. You just have to sit down and actually list out what it is you like to do. Where are the things in that job where you have some flexibility to flex those muscles? And like maybe you're at your receptionist job and you pick fresh flowers and you find like random containers and you put them in the front and like you just figure out a way to do that there. Or you're at a production company, but you really want to do something in music. Like, is there a way to do more music videos or whatever? Is there a way to pivot what you're already doing in the infrastructure to not piss those folks off? Do you still have a paycheck and you still have enough savings six to nine months, ideally a year in the bank. If you really want to piece out and do your own thing, like make sure you have those logistics. They're not super sexy. Health insurance is not super sexy, but if you leave it a job, you're probably not going to have it for yourself or your family or whatever you might need in case God forbid something happens. So those are some of the logistical things you should think, think about first and just figure out a way if you can do it within the job you already have and satisfy some of those passions in that same infrastructure or figure out the side hustle. And sometimes just getting it out of your system 
and realizing like, eh, maybe I actually don't want to do this is just as important as realizing you do want to do it. Because sometimes when you're taking that passion, turning it into a career, you have to do some of those less sexy things. So if you love baking cupcakes and you want to do all these crazy concoctions and you're like, oh my God, my friends love my cupcakes. My family loves my cupcakes. Everybody and their mama loves my cupcakes. Then all of a sudden, if you use those skills to create a cupcake shop or a service or whatever, it's not just baking that you're doing now. It's bookkeeping. It's sourcing flour, janitorial work. It's like all the other stuff that goes into making it a business. And sometimes it just doesn't safe on anymore. So I think there are ways that you can work around what you already have going on um, and just making that something you love. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like it's like, so you have, that's what a lot of happens with a lot of people. They have their job and then they have their hobby or their passion or, you know, their side hustle. And it becomes like, you know, like their escape from, you know, the nine to five. But then if you left the job and made the side hustle, you'll for a time, full-time job, you're going to find some other things within that, that you don't like to do, or that become like, you know, things that oftentimes make you unhappy. So yeah, I completely agree. So when you were talking about if someone would want to quit, you mentioned something about having six, nine or 12 months salary. So if someone did have a side hustle that they wanted to quit their, their full-time job for that's providing, you know, a full-time salary for their family, say they're making, um, you know, an, uh, insignificant amount from the side hustle, but they want to make it a full-time, what would you say they should have saved and how should they sort of make that transition? So I think that, is really important to have first and foremost. And a lot of times when you're starting a business, you ladies know you're not making money right away. Mm -hmm. And I would say give it a year if you're not making money after a year. Like, I don't care what you're doing. Um, It's probably not a business. And, Mm. you know, some businesses are cyclical. Some businesses make money on the holidays or whatever. Um, And so I can't talk to like a specific business, but generally speaking, you should have like your basic living expenses. We're not talking about, you know, extra, you know, vacation money and other stuff. Like you got to use a lot of sweat equity where you don't have real equity most often when you're starting a business. And then I would also really look at the health insurance situation. And Mm -hmm. if you do have some health thing going on that you anticipate is going to create a lot of bills for yourself or your family or whatever. Like that's actually something super serious to consider. And like, that's real life. There's no shame in like working to feed your family. There's no shame in doing that. Like, um, I think sometimes we get brainwashed into this idea of like, we're not living our best life. Well, like, mm-hmm. hold on. Um, there's other things to take into consideration. Like these are, you know, where you put your big girl undies on and, um, and look at like the non-sexy part of it. And also really considering, do you have to go into debt? to build this out into being a business. And that's, um, you know, not awesome to get into a boatload of debt. So really consider that depending on like how intensive it is for equipment or other things to turn that side hustle into a business. Also really be honest with yourself and say, do I have a different idea for business all the time? Like, yeah. and can I not focus on one thing? Because if, that, so if you know that about yourself as just a... A character trait, a character trait. I can't speak about <laughs> hey, no right judgment. now. That's probably something I shouldn't go into speech therapy. <laughs> 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 
really have self-awareness and say, you know, am I like always ADDing out? Um, am I going to have something else I want to do in a year from now? And if that's the case, like then that's something that you work on no matter where you are, because like wherever you go, there you are. And so mm. just like have that little conversation with yourself. I think it's so interesting to think about like how your, the way you view money and saving and all of that is like directly related to like your relationship either with yourself or kind of like how much work you've done, like internal work. And so did you do any internal work? Like I'm just thinking about your childhood. Like I cannot imagine, you know, your experience with loss and, and feeling as if you weren't taught the skills needed to be financially savvy from an early age. So was there some work that you did personally that really changed the way you viewed yourself and then yourself in the workplace, yourself when, you know, you would go to invest or save? Yeah, I had to rethink everything. And as I taught myself this language, I realized that what we've been told for our entire lives of like, don't buy a latte, buy a house, for the 401k. <laughs> Like that could be true for a lot of folks. It's not true for everyone. There's no financial gospel. And for me, it was really important to rethink conventional financial wisdom and start thinking for myself. And it was the same type of moment that I had when I was, I think I was like 11 or 12, where I decided I was going to be a vegetarian. And I've been vegetarian since then. I've been vegan for about half of it. And I stopped and thought that both were laughing. Sometimes I call myself laughing. Whatever. Um, do I like meat? And the answer was no. The answer could have been yes, though. And I think that moment is the same thing that happened to me for my financial life. I had to stop and, and say, okay, just the way because I've always eaten meat or just because my family was always Jewish, like, do I like Judaism? Do I like meat? Mm. And if I said yes to those questions, cool. But at least I stopped and like checked in with myself. And that was the same thing that happened with money. It's like, okay, I've been told don't buy a latte. Before I take that as gospel, like stop for a minute and say, why can I not buy this latte? And I often argue for the morning latte. I know. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Only because like it made zero sense to me when I stopped and thought about it. Like essentially what we've been told growing up is, don't buy a latte, make your coffee at home, save up and buy a house. Okay. And um, like, sometimes that can work for folks. Like that might make sense depending on your situation. But for me, it didn't because I looked at a financial diet a lot. Like I look like a re- look at a regular diet. If you allow yourself small indulgences, you won't end up binging later on. So I don't know what the fad diet is. Atkins, Southeast, grapefruit, keto, juice. What is it? <laughs> keto right now. Keto. Ketogenic. You don't know, honey? Girl, I I don't know anything. Whatever it is, eat styrofoam. That's obviously not sustainable because you're going to want, like, you're going to end up binging on a big old hunk of chocolate cake in the middle of the night because you're so starved and so deprived. Like, Mm -hmm. not that I know anything about that, but like, we've all been there. And so instead, like, something sustainable, like an eating plan, allows you a Hershey's kiss. So you don't end up binging on that big old hunk of chocolate cake. So I thought, okay, well, I think about dieting in a eating and weight sense like that. 
And I probably will use the same mentality for my financial life. So what's the equivalent of a financial Hershey's kiss that will keep me on track? And that to me is a latte. If you don't like coffee, like I'm using a latte as like an example of something that's a small indulgence. So do, what, insert like a mani-pedi or yoga class or whatever in there. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you do that every day or you do that on the regular and you keep yourself satisfied, you won't end up binging on like Louboutins or whatever later on. Because so many women come to me in the beginning of the year and they're like, Nicole, you would be so proud of me. I stop buying the morning latte. And I'm like, mm, let's see how long that lasts. Because after a few months, it's like, I got the Gucci purse because I was so good. It's like, well, if you it's just so got your true. latte, like maybe we wouldn't have bought the Gucci purse and maybe that would have been better overall. Um, mm. And then sometimes it's better to rent a house um, versus buying a house. I mean, I have so many thoughts about why we've been misinformed about homeownership being the end-all be-all and how that's such a great investment. It's not. Um, a home is a home. It's not a good investment. If you're flipping houses, like get a job on HGTV. If you look at studies that have been done over the longest period of time, 100 years, housing has barely kept up with the rates of um, the normal stock market or inflation or um, you know what you would typically do with investing money um, outside uh, of real estate. And so there is this misconception that we've been told, like grandma bought a house for 50 grand and now it's worth 250 grand. And we forget that like when grandma bought that house, movie tickets were also five cents. And we forget about inflation and we forget about like comparing the same type of thing together. Um, and so we often just don't stop and think about that. And especially for young people, we're moving around, you know, we don't get a lot of those costs back. People say, well, laughing, you know, renting is like throwing money in the toilet. And I'm like, well, that's like saying buying food is throwing money away because you poop it out. No, there's the cost of living. I'm sorry. Like (laughs) you have to pay to live. That's the thing. And so um, for me, it was getting to a place where I could stop and think like, hey, if I'm going to throw all of my savings into a house, then I'm house poor and I can't go to the supermarket and buy groceries with a mortgage if I don't have any other money. And so I think generally when it comes to financial stuff, it's that moment where you check in with yourself about all of these decisions and say like, hey, this is work for me. Um, and oftentimes it's not the case and the financial gods are not going to come down and get you because you buy your latte and rent. Tim, I was wanted to ask you what your thought on houses are and buying houses. Cause you know, living in LA, it's like, what? I've heard so many people are renting now. Yeah. Like people who I would think who have been married for, you know, yeah. a few years, maybe have one kid and they're renting. So why would you choose renting over buying? Well, do you you say it kind of like it's a bad thing. Uh, no, why is it, I, why do you think it's surprising though. It's surprising because we've been kind of taught like, well, you get married and you mm-hmm. save money mm-hmm. to put a down payment on a house. Yeah, you do see it as your. Like, you know some what people I mean? Tend, it's just the story, as their which I don't. You know, totally. I, no, I'm just curious. Like, yeah, why, literally, no, because I think it's that story that really messes us up. Because if you look at you know some of those couples, and I know them too, if they have taken like the the bulk of whatever they've saved together as a couple and they've invested it typical returns and it goes up and down in the stock market. It, let's say it's about 10%. So inflation typically grows at about 3%. So if you exact 10 
you know, three from 10, you get seven. So generally, if you are investing in that way, you're growing 7%. If you're putting your money in the, in not even under the mattress, in a bank, what are you getting? Like maybe a percent or something. So if you take 3% from 1%, you're at negative. So you're essentially losing money if you're putting it in, in a bank account. And if you're taking all of that money that you might have and putting it into a house with a young family, then you're taking all your liquidity and like just putting it into bricks or wood or whatever the hell it's made out of, or, you know, in Venice, mm-hmm. maybe it's like some fancy, like earthy bungalow. No, <laughs> con- <laughs> concrete. <laughs> it's made of like clay, <laughs> Egyptian clay. <laughs> but it's, I think it's like, it's so interesting to me that you say that because I think it's just, if, if you stopped and thought about it in that sense, like, is that story perhaps even smarter as you're starting your life out and you're starting to grow wealth and you're starting to build wealth, you can only invest and play with the money that you actually have in liquidity. You can't invest money that you put into a down payment in a house where, you know, it's a home. I think thinking about a house as like a place you're going to stay for a long time, moving is not only a pain in the ass, but it's so expensive. And if you, if your job makes you move, moving is expensive. Putting your house on the market is expensive, especially when you need to do it quickly. Then you're taking like whatever you can get. That's not a good financial decision. Um, and then also just remember when you're, when stuff goes wrong, you have termites, you have leaks, you know, in some parts of the country, you have some snow issues and whatever. Um, that's you look in the mirror and you're the landlord now. And that's, that's an expense that you don't think about. Um, you are taking on. And so, especially when you're starting off a family, I think it's much better in a younger family that might be moving for jobs or whatever to really keep that expense like pretty nimble. Um, and if you're paying five grand a month, let's say for rent and keeping the majority of your, like the lump sum of your wealth, either growing in some sort of interest bearing account, CD, bond, bank account, uh, like uh, not bank account, I should say online bank account might get you a little bit more, but it's not that fantastic or investment. Um, and we can talk more about that. I talk a lot about it in, in Rich Bitch too. I give like my case for essentially this of why housing is not like the ticket to financial freedom mm. and that it's been claimed to be. Honestly, that's that story that we talked about. I'm thinking like what role like feeling like you're on a timeline plays in how you like navigate the strategy to either save money or invest. You know, people think because they're getting older, they have to save for retirement. Is there any like, like not myths you want to bust, sorry, (laughs) but like, you know, like stories that we've been kind of told that maybe we should rethink. So one is renting versus buying. What other ones have you seen trending that you're like, no, 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 no. We got to rethink this. The latte one was good too. uh, Mm. It's my most favorite thing to talk about. So yeah, let's bust those myths um, in the booty. Um, You know, and at the end of each chapter of, both of my books and I have another one coming out next year. I can't believe Ooh, it. But um, yes. anyway, I'm not birthing like human babies. I'm just birthing books every couple of years. So <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, so both of my books are 12 step plans and that's on purpose because the first step, especially with this is admitting you have a problem and like we all have problems. I have more issues than Vogue. Um, and the first step is saying like, yo, I have money problem. Cool. We all have problems. Now let's get on with it. And 
you know, deal with those problems head on because you're not going to otherwise. And at the end of each chapter of Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch, I, I do like a little section. If you guys don't have a bunch of books, I'm sending them over your way immediately, by the way. And hopefully we can send some to viewers. Um, yes, let's do a giveaway. We, that. That would we, awesome. we have Rich Bitch, but let's do a giveaway. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll do. Yes, and then I'll I'll hook you up with Boss Bitch too. Because at the end of each of the chapters, I look at that exact thing, like what is conventional wisdom and what is the real deal for it. And that's the that's the bottom line, and that's also a financial term, obviously. And I actually rewrote dictionaries. Not to like say I'm not fantastic. This is actually super nerdy of me, and this is probably why I don't have human babies most <laughs> like, of a life. Is it because I rewrite a financial dictionary and a business dictionary in the back in real English? But aside from like the latte thing or the housing thing, which I think are big ones, um, you mentioned retirement. I mean, there's a, a ton of that, which is my most favorite thing is like trying to stop and think and bust the myth. Um, and maybe the myth like makes sense for you. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but 401k stuff is often a myth because we think that that's the darling of the retirement community. Mm. And if we're freelancing, we might not have a 401k. And we also think like, oh, we've been told just put money in your 401k. You're going to be totally great when you retire. Well, what we don't realize is that if that's all you're doing, like you're probably going to eat cat food when you're, I mean, you're going to be hot. You're going to be like Betty White, Golden Girl style. I get it. (laughs) But you're going to like, that's not enough. And in fact, it's not like one or another. And a lot of people don't even realize that there are different kinds of retirement options and vehicles because like everybody talks about a 401k being like the only one. Um, it's oftentimes the more the merrier. So IRAs, individual retirement accounts are, are things that you can take no matter where you are in addition to a 401k. So it's not like an IRA or a 401k. And you don't realize like you have to pay taxes after um, when you take your money out of a 401k. Um, so the money that you look at like as your 401k fund or whatever, when you are old and sexy um, and you're taking that out, you're going to pay taxes. So, and I don't know what the tax rate is when you're older. And by the way, you're going to be in a higher tax rate because you're going to be boss bitch, obviously. So there's um, yes. like a lot of money is going to come out of that. And, and folks don't realize that. And that's why a Roth option, we hear about a Roth a lot, but it's like, eh, what is that? An STD? Not sure. But it's not. <laughs> it's actually a good thing. Um, I think a Roth is important because um, you pay taxes now. And you guys are probably like, uh, I don't want to pay taxes. Um, but the, the idea of paying taxes when you're in a lower tax bracket, when you're making less money when you're mm. younger, is more advantageous because you're paying less and you're probably mm. paying at a lower rate. Like I'm not a betting woman and I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the world. Nobody does. But I'm assuming taxes are going to be higher, not lower than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's, it's good to pay them now. Um, and then if you work for yourself, there's a whole bunch of other like alphabet soup options. Like I have a step um, IRA for my company. There's a simple option. If, um, if you're working for another company, there's sometimes their profit sharing programs or pensions, which sound old school, but sometimes pensions exist and they're pretty rad. Anyway, so I think that's another one of those bigger misconceptions. I love that. What do you think about my $12 latte from Erwan? Yeah. <laughs> have you been to Erwan yet? So, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like pine sap in there. There's yeah, like, like this camel milk. Camel, you know what I mean? Not camel milk. But I love Erwan. <laughs> Thank so you. I'm like, I'm not, 
love, love Erewhon. And um, here's the, like, I'm not often offended by, especially I live in New York now. Um, I grew up in LA. Uh, I've lived in 10 cities in the last 15 years. And I like don't skimp on food. Um, Same. You know, my body is like, so my temple. And so I have to take care of it. Lady, yeah. Literally. Um, I, I don't look I, like do Beyonce like, by not eating. <laughs> Thank <well>. you. <laughs> Thank you. It's, you know, but it is a good investment in your future too. Um, but with Erewhon, it's like ridiculously offensive. So like mm. I just basically hand over my wallet. I'm like, I don't even want to look at these places. They're so offensive. I just, here you go. Just take the entire yep. thing. Like, You're like, sure. I buy like $6 crackers like once a day and yep. I eat the whole packet. <laughs> anyway, so that's what happens when we get overwhelmed with numbers. We just kind of bring it back to food <laughs> or something like. I got it. Perfect. <laughs> We're special. But the thing okay. is, you're like when you think about some of it, I mean, I, like I said, in passing, I'm vegan. I'm not like a preacher vegan. It just works for me. I, I am mean, too. I could, I'm a vegan too, sister. And, and I think like even just the idea that you're looking at from a financial standpoint, a lot of times, and maybe it's not the six dollar crackers, but if you're going to a farmer's market, people say that eating organic and eating healthy is more expensive, but I don't know. I've lived in a lot of places and Apple has always been cheaper than anything in a package yes. for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it is like in health, uh, uh um, health debt is the number one debt in collections. And so medical stuff is super, super expensive. And so I think really just looking at it from that perspective, which we often don't, like we think we want a hot body. I get it. Like we want our poop to smell good. So we eat lots of fruits and papayas. Cool. Um, whatever it is, like whatever does it for you. It's like sometimes the financial consideration is not. Um, and it's sometimes a longer view, right? So it's like, Yes, you're spending a little bit more now for like longer term gain. Investing in yourself will pay yeah. more dividends later. A hundred percent. Well, it's like my health is ever, it's everything. So we could go on forever about that. Well, you are your own business card. Like if you're yep. out or if you're, if you're sick, like there's, I mean, this is the worst day ever. There would be no almost 30 podcasts. So. That's the thing, the ability to, that's the thing, is my ability to get things done, to always show up for my work every single day, to work, you know, as many or as little hours as I need. I don't want to glamorize, you know, working, working hard, but it allows me to do way more than I would ever be able to do if I wasn't eating well. Of course. Like it's major. Okay. So I'm glad that we talked about the house thing. That was like really important. So for entrepreneurs and for people that are making money from multiple different sources, how do you manage those multiple streams of income? I have so much money coming in <laughs> from so many sources. I'm having a hard time keeping track. <laughs> this is our mantra um, that we say every yes. day. <laughs> I got problems. Right? <laughs> so much money. It's I don't know if I should ask you so or like my real. advisor, but like, I thought we could talk about it. <laughs> cool. So what are we talking? Yes. So do you have a company? Well, for managing multiple streams of income. Okay. So we have almost 30, I guess we could use us as an example, but I was thinking in general, but we have almost 30 podcasts makes money from um, our events and from sponsorships. And then through my blog, I make money through sponsorships and affiliate links. And then I also have a nine to five. So I make just normal money from, from that. So if I have me as an example, I guess those multiple streams of income where I have different money coming in, how do you suggest I best um, like organize or manage it or keep track of it? So what do you do now? Yeah, we have LLC. 
And then cool. for my blog, I don't tell anyone how much money I make. <laughs> Listen, in both of my books, like I talk about exactly my salaries because it's super oh, intimidating that. sometimes to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, here's how I made it at CNN. Here's how, here are my, the numbers I made on my book advances. Like I didn't even ask Damn. my publisher. I'm like, this is happening. Because people are going to read this and wonder, like, how much did this bitch make by writing Damn. this book? And so I'm like, here you go. Like, so you cool. didn't have to ask or wonder. Because I ask, you know, I ask women all the time to talk about money. So I'm like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And I obviously have to go first. Um, and I think we talk about everything before we talk about money. Like, at the dinner table, I don't know, girlfriends will be like, yo, like, you have a landing strip, or are you bare, or you did oh you God, have laser, so or true. whatever. And it's like, totally normal conversation or like what's going on in the bedroom or whatever. Like, did you have diarrhea? And so like, that's all fine. And then all of a sudden I'm like, so what's in your bank account Dude. or like how much money are you, did you make this year or whatever? And it's like crickets. And I'm like, girl, you just told me about your hoo-ha and you're Literally. not telling me about like how much money you're making because like, I want to help you. I don't want to like, what is this? It's so crazy town USA to me. So anyway, so I appreciate true. you. Thanks honey. You even bringing it up. It makes me happy. Um, so for me, for example, I'll use myself too as an example. I have an escort. And so a lot of those streams of income go into, they pay me as a company. So I don't know if your digital marketing job pays you as Krista or they pay you as your LLC. Pay me as me, Krista. So it might be beneficial to put it through a company because then you're going to be able to take some of your expenses. Mm. from the company and mm -hmm. put it against the income that you're making yeah. um, potentially. And I don't know if that's all kosher. We can have like more of a session over lattes at Erewhon and mm -hmm. like dig into the specifics if, um, if I can be helpful there. But, um, you know, a lot of times when you have different kinds of businesses, like let's say you have a side hustle as like walking dogs or, you know, making stuff on Etsy or whatever, and you have losses in one part, you can you can use some of those losses against your gains because obviously the goal of taxes is to like lower your taxable income. Mm, okay. So that's something that I would suggest when you, when you, because, you know, in Boxfish, the premise is that we have so many different stages in our lives, especially as women. Like we can go from being the boss of our own business. We can be an intrapreneur, being a boss within a bigger company. We can be the boss of our family, like the CEO of our family and a lot of different permutations in between. And I think a career well had now is more like a rope swing than a ladder. So being a boss is the only thing that's portable. We're a boss no matter where we go. Um, but it is important too to look at the idea that it's not just going to be like a normal paycheck that we're getting. Um, most, I mean, a lot of almost 30 sisters and brothers out there, we most, mostly talking to women. <laughs> mostly women. Mostly women. Yeah. We got brothers. <laughs> we have boys brothers. listening out there. Yeah, I have male boss bitches um, and rich <laughs> bitch male. I love like the male rich bitches that put like pictures on Instagram because I'm like, yes, you love being called a bitch, baby. Fuck yeah. But yeah, so I think like having a structure and getting it done once. So I would suggest when going to a financial advisor, sort of like going to a gym for personal trainer. So mm -hmm. yeah, you can be like big baller and have a trainer every day. Or more realistically, like you can get a trainer and get a plan and then implement that yourself. So I think it's important to like sometimes invest in that one consultation um, and having a personal um, financial advisor or somebody that sets up a structure like this is going to be super helpful if you have to invest a little bit in the long run. 
um, because also like you should be able to be really honest. It's not a shrink time, but you should be able to tell your personal um, financial advisor or whoever's looking at your stuff. If you're getting divorced, if you're getting married, like stuff that Mm. might not seem like financially stuff, because that's going to have most impact on your financial life and future. And by the way, like talking to a significant other is probably like a super hard thing to do about money. Yeah. Can we talk about that? I think like you, you say something, I was reading some of your, um, tips. Sorry, I have to pull it up, but, uh, or things that you've learned, like 10 things that you've learned. Yeah. So like the, yeah, not marrying for money, like talk to us more about that. Yes. We're told that. Right. But like, what are, what are the consequences or what patterns have you seen that Mm -hmm. have really like just, I can't get on real housewives if I don't marry for money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) By the way, sorry is the other thing that hopefully we can come back to is like I'm on this big kick of not saying sorry because we as women say sorry way too much. Tell me more. And it sounds like we're putting ourselves down. Like when when we want run into somebody, we say I'm sorry. And men studies have shown that men will apologize. Also, if they do something wrong, which I don't know, I haven't seen that in my life, but studies say that. And so, like, saying, I'm sorry, I have a question, or I'm sorry, can I, you know, pop yeah. in for five minutes? Like, you know, we put ourselves down sometimes, so... And also, when we get compliments, we don't say thank you. So, it's like, yes. hey, you have really pretty hair. And it's like, no, it's a, it has dry shampoo, yeah. and, 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 like, your hair is so pretty. So, sometimes, like, just having that boss mentality for yourself not only helps, like, within your own business, and mm. Krista, Lindsay, Inc., uh, and almost 30 mm-hmm. world domination, but also relationships too, because you're coming in with your side of the boss equation. Um, and I've seen a lot of women want to get their financial lives together after they get divorced or their husband dies because they have to. And then it becomes a, a place of necessity. It's not proactive because sometimes it's hard to just be proactive when there's not a problem. Like I get that psychology, but not having a talk before you move in especially has been a real problem because the bills, what I've seen early on in a relationship is that bills can go under one person's name. And let's say the other person is like, it's under somebody else's name. You're not getting credit. If it's under your name and they're not getting paid, your credit is getting screwed. And like your credit is the most important thing of your financial life because it determines your interest rates which we can talk more about if you'd like. But Mm -hmm. um, moving on past that stage, super important to, you know, when you're getting married and if you have kids, like a will is not a super sexy conversation or advanced directive or any of that stuff. But like boss bitches have hard conversations. And those those are the things that are important. And having, you know, being upfront about debt, financial infidelity is the number one cause of divorce when it comes to money issues. Um, So owing people money that you might not know about having debt that you might not know about. I've talked to women who are in the dating world and have debt as their breaker. And I'm like, God bless, because we have all these other arbitrary things on like Tinder or whatever, like height. Is it really going to matter whether he's 5'11 or 5'10 if he has like 500 grand in debt, in student debt? Like what is going to matter more in your life? And so I think we have a lot of these breakers that are so superficial and, and not ultimately going to be consequential. If you got your financial life together, taking on a partner who doesn't, I think to me is a bigger issue than if he's an inch shorter or not. And yeah. so that's actually become more of an issue. That's become more of like an earlier conversation because you assume that together. 
Yeah. And I think having it early on will help you to prepare whether you're ready to like go in it together. So you're saying like the guy who has 500 K in uh, student loan debt, you know, like I hope, he, I hope he finds a girl. Like I'm not hoping he's alone forever, but it's like, you know, I guess you have to have that real conversation with yourself. You know, are you willing to grow together and to understand that there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made? And also is he on top of it? I guess is the main issue he or she on top of it, you know? But yeah, I, I guess the transparency, it's a tough conversation to have, but when always. in your relationship do you think you should have it? Like when should you guys be mm. talking about that? It doesn't even need to be like a scary thing. Like what's your credit score on the first date or whatever. Um, It can just be like, yo, babe. um, I think when you're getting to an exclusive place, even if you see it moving into a future, then it doesn't need to be like, yo, exactly what's in your bank account. Like earlier on, it could be like, you know, hey, and it can be casual. Um, What are your goals? Like what, that's a really good place to start. I have a video that I do like a little bit of role playing with it where I say like, what do you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up type of thing? Because obviously yeah. growing up is optional and growing old is mandatory. <laughs> um, but like having your goals be compatible is important. They don't have to be the same. They have to just work together. So like one person can't say they want to fly private and one person can't be like, yo, I just want to like read books or whatever. It's just not going to, it has to be like somewhere in the same realm because you're working towards the same things. Um, and I talk about goals and I love F words, obviously. Um, and the three F so family finance and fun. And so thinking about goals five, 10 years out, is something we get asked a lot, whether it's with our significant other, whether it's with our, you know, in-laws, whether it's with our bosses, it's like, Hey, what do you want to do in five years, Krista? What do you want to be in 10 years, Lindsay? And I used to freak out hearing those questions because I didn't actually answer the question for myself. That was the only reason I freaked out. And so until I stopped and really like laid out what it was I wanted, because I thought, Oh, I generally know in theory what I want. Until I gave myself like really clear metrics, then I broke it down actually into one, three, five, seven, ten year goals instead mm. of like bigger increments that felt overwhelming. Um, then I could find the direction to live the life I want because a lot of women will say to me, you know, Lapin, I just want a million dollars. Like if I had a million dollars, I would be that. And I'm like, I don't really? think a million is enough. Well, it's like, what do you want to do, <laughs> well, like, do, do though with a million dollars? Like, do you, yeah. maybe you need more, maybe you need less. I have no idea. It's like first figure out the life you want and then reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live the life you want. And it's not just like in your work life. It's like your fun part of the other F. Like, do you want to fly for thought? Do you want a new wardrobe every year? I don't know. Just write whatever it is you want. But it also has to be compatible with like, what your job is. You can't fly first class necessarily and be, you know, a teacher. Like I wish teachers made more money. They don't. And so those don't work out. You can't be a stay at home mom and be uh, an on-call emergency room doctor. That also like those things are not compatible. So I think it's looking at it holistically because if you're not happy in one part of your life, you're not going to be happy Mm. at all. It's your one life. Right. I'd love to answer a few questions from the group. This kind of goes along with what we were just talking about with student loans. Um, But uh, Mackenzie was wondering, um, how do you 
even begin the conversation uh, to refinance a student loan payment or negotiate a credit card um, and loan rates. Um, I I think women in in general, it's like hard to negotiate because like you said, we're kind of used to saying sorry and like kind of wincing and being like, okay, fine. Yeah, that's good. Okay. You know what I mean? There's like, we almost don't leave ourselves more room to negotiate for whatever reason. I want to change that like now, but um, what would you recommend? So I've done with my, our friend, Max Lugavere, um, some segments on Dr. Oz where I actually go into a woman's ear, like Cyrano de Bergerac, which I actually do think was a helpful book um, in, mm-hmm. in school, unlike the Pythagorean theorem, but where I like had an IFB or an earpiece in somebody's ear when they go, went in to negotiate their cell phone bills um, and then on the phone with them and negotiating APR on their credit card because it drives me crazy how many people don't negotiate the interest rate on their credit card. Do you guys negotiate it? God, no. No. My God. I had no idea (laughs) that you could do that. I'm like, sure, uh, give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) You can call. I mean, everything in life is negotiable, like everything, everything. And so just because it's like on a fancy piece of paper, it looks really official. It's not. Everything's negotiable. Medical debt's negotiable. I also did that with our homies at Dr. Oz because like I said before, that's super, it crushes so many people um, and getting that under control is super important. And so when you're calling your bill collectors, try to just put it on a schedule, whatever it is, every quarter, twice a year, call the major like cable company, your cell phone company. Um, I've done it on a couple of other shows where like I'll start the show and, and take a woman with all of her bills and go backstage and do it like in an hour where I save hopefully. I mean, it's not always the case, but the worst thing they can say is no. And often they'll throw you a bone versus losing you as a customer in any of these things, whether it's with your cable, with your credit card. If you're like, essentially, I mean, each of these are a little bit different, but essentially if you're like, Hey, you know, Lindsay got a better rate. Like I'm going to the competitor. She's with, you know, this company, you know, if you just keep staying on it with like a dog on a bone and ask for higher and higher and higher up. I mean, I've written notes to like executives. I've just been super fierce about it because it's your money. You might as well fight for it. And so just taking the time out to, and then it gets like super addicting when you start getting money and it's basically like free money. Um, Then you just (laughs) want more and more of it and you want to get more and more aggressive. So I think negotiating APR is a great way to start because that interest, especially if you're not paying it off in full, will crush you hardest. Um, Mm. Credit card debt is the thing that you need to take care of first. I know that people in McKinsey, right? She asked about student debt. Yes. And credit card. Not all debt is created equal. So Mm. credit card is the most important thing to get rid of first. So I like to prioritize to pulverize. So I was in a bunch of credit card debt. Um, and I talk about that in Rich Bitch, where I broke it down like basically by the day. And so little chunks and little steps, as you can tell, like I break everything down into little, you know, 12 step plans or like one, three, five, seven, ten things that, that just gets more manageable to me than something that's super overwhelming. Um, and it was like $7 a day and it felt that felt more manageable to me to get under control. But I also realized that my highest interest rate debt first needed to go. And that's always going to be your credit card. And even if you negotiate it down, it's the first debt you should. So let's say you have a hundred bucks and you have like a bunch of bills on your, you know, kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. You don't just find the bill that's a hundred bucks and pay that off and be like, "This is cathartic. I'm cutting this up. We're done with this one." No, no. It's like 
putting a hundred bucks toward whatever is the highest interest rate, even if it's not exactly that amount, you're just eating into that by a hundred bucks because that's going to snowball more out of control. And then after that is a car loan, which is typically, well, you shouldn't have a car loan. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. And like also not a lease, ladies, I have Um, these friends from the LA ladies that the lease may be in our lives. Oh, leases. Yeah. Like ever, I think I bought mine, but I'm paying it off. Is that what, you know? It's at your financing. (laughs) Yeah. I finance. Yeah. Same. I had to, I was, I was using more, I was driving so much. I was driving to Newport. I was driving almost 600 miles a week. I was told I should buy, see me just listening to a white man tell me to buy. (laughs) Anyway. Um, but now I'm not, now I'm driving within like a three mile radius. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a sin. I don't even want a car. I literally want to walk everywhere. Yeah. I want to drive. Or Uber. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, honestly, honestly, I, I think about it all the time. Lyft or Uber would be possibly cheaper. Mm-hmm. Possibly. It, it may be. It may very well be, especially um, in LA. And by the way, Uber pool is a super fun way to meet people too. I so know. Everyone. Is my husband waiting in an Uber pool? Cool. <laughs> and you can do work too. I mean, there's I so many things to like rethink whether you need a car. And also like leasing new cars is a thing we get into, which is, which is, I think it should be criminal. Like, obviously, there's a reason the car companies came up with this idea. It's not out of the goodness of their heart. It's because they're making so much money because you're basically, you know, paying a new car price and giving them the car back. I mean, when you really break down, like, what you're doing with a lease is, like, Looney Tunes USA as to why we're so brainwashed to do this. Generally, buying used cars cheap and then running them into the ground is the greatest um, financial move you can make because the first four years, um, is the greatest depreciation period for a car. So you can sort of like through the system if you're doing it after those four years, so just like a four-year-old car, basically, um, and then buying that in cash. Because a car is a depreciating asset. Like I said, you know, if, when you take it off the lot, it's, it, it loses so much value. So like after your credit card debt should be whatever your car loan or note is because you're paying debt on something that's losing value. So that doesn't make sense. And then after that would be a mortgage. And then after that would be your student debt. Because if you have debt collectors or bill collectors, or if you're going through bankruptcy or whatever, like if the, if the situation is dire, they can take away your car, they can take away your home, they can take away your stuff, they cannot take away your brain. So <laughs> student debt, like it sucks. It's there. Sally Mae is a lot of people's babies. Uh, and I think sometimes when we want to ramp up quickly, some financial experts um, will say, you get like a windfall or you get a bunch of money, you get a raise or whatever, just put it towards your student debt. I think that's a bad suggestion because if you ramp up too quickly and you can't keep up with those payments, then you'll get screwed. So mm-hmm. slow and steady actually wins the race when it comes to student debt. But credit card debt is like, debt is the only four letter word I don't like. Yeah. Get so that true. money off your back. Um, I love that. That is so helpful. We also had another question from Amber. She wants to talk more about the structure of your savings, investment accounts, sub savings accounts, like little hacks that have been really helpful for you in that way. I don't have investment accounts or anything like that. So any hacks that you have, that would be, you know, great for our babes to start saving when they sleep. Yeah. So I love the fact that like, Amber just asked me about sub savings. Account. I know. I like got a little so tingle. Happy. I was like, damn, I don't even know that <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah, she's a baller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Some savings mm. are the best. Um, so my savings account looks crazy. If somebody looked at the back end, they'd be like, this girl has so much like random savings accounts for like Mexico fund or like different, like my Betty White fund or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> as long as you're putting a name to what you're saving for, it's the psychology. And we've talked about this before. Like it's your mindset that will stand in the way. Getting your financial life together is more about the psychology than anything else. Mm. Numbers part of it, a fifth grader can do. It's the humanities part that really stands in our way. It's like the not joining the conversation, the talking to our, you know, getting our friends to pay us back, talking about it. It's that type of stuff that's standing in the way. And so when you're naming a savings account, psychologically, you're saying, okay, my money is going toward this instead of like a dark abyss. We're like, oh, I'm paying taxes. I'm paying all these bills. Like now I have to pay a bill for like savings because mm-hmm. I break down, I love alliteration, um, a budget or a financial um, plan into the three E's. So the essentials, end game, and extras. And so the end game would be like your future self and all the things you're saving for. Even if you take that money out in direct deposit, which is a hack that I like to do too, because it doesn't even come through like, your money grubbing, like Louboutin buying fingers, like you don't even have the option <laughs> to spend it. And if you don't have it, like you don't miss it. Right. And so having the direct deposit, it's foolproof, which the fools are us. Like it, it's fine. Um, if you just, if you, um, whether it's your retirement account or sub savings account, if you make sure that it's just automatically going in there, I think that's super helpful. Um, and then naming them makes you realize like, that's actually what I'm, I'm paying myself. I'm paying for that. It's not like a drag anymore. Um, and so having some savings for whatever you're looking ahead to, uh, I think is a great idea. And having that direct deposit idea until it, it also for like, um, so the direct deposit for the end game for the extras, which would be your fun money. So I account for fun money in a budget because like we talked about before, keeping yourself on track, giving yourself small indulgences, accounting for it. So it's not zero fun because that's not sustainable. Having zero amounts of fun, like that's not going to work out. So I suggest 70% going to essentials. So your housing, your transportation, all that jazz. 15% going to that end game. So wherever you want to allocate that, ideally some of that's going to retirement. And then no more than 15% to extra. So that's like the latte, the, you know, Erewhon stuff. But whatever. Although Erwan like is is a little bit on the edge because it is essential <laughs> like food, but it's like yeah. uh, no, I know. <laughs> but taking that out in cash until you know how much that fifteen percent is that you've accounted for is great because if you think generally, you know what it is, you're swiping, swiping, swiping. You're like, mm, I think mm. it's like roughly around this, or you're guesstimating. That's bad. And then if you're on Friday night and you're like estimating what drinks are and what other things are it's like you're drunk and that's not gonna work out so taking that out in cash is like the cash is done the party's over right yeah no so true i think like the avoiding thing too like guessing avoiding not looking at the bank account we talked about that um in our group a little bit about how we don't like some of us don't look at it because we just don't want to deal with it so yeah i think it's like being really clear taking out the cash only using what you have like allowing giving yourself the budget make those boundaries like just so you don't like wake up literally in the morning or wake up one day and you're like oh (laughs) 
you know, you're getting a call like from bill collectors or whatever, because you haven't checked your account or checked like your statements and your due dates in a while. It's just being really real with yourself, which is not always easy. Um, that's really helpful. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, um, I say, I think in the first chapter of, of rich rich is the idea that like the best diet I was told a long time ago is when you, you eat looking in the mirror naked. Damn. <laughs> oh like, my God. That no, is that's torture. Like torture. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, are you going to eat like cookies and shit? Like, no, because no. it's about really getting naked with yourself. Like that is looking your destiny in the eye. Is That's the only way you're going to like, yeah. again, admit you have a problem and then go. Yeah. Get on with it. I just have two things. So something that's so special about you is like your ability to be your authentic self and everything that you do. Were you always just yourself? Like, did you always feel like your personality was like a lot of the reason for your success and your ability to um, speak to these topics in a fun, light way? Like, can you talk about that? Because I think that's what makes you so special and so different and so successful. Thank you. I'm coming Welcome. back every day to hear how amazing I am. It's going to make me feel good I'm about here. my life. <laughs> we'll be here. Thank It'll you, be recorded. Krista. <laughs> yeah, um, so, no, not at all. I I had massive imposter syndrome, and I think a lot of us do. We think, like, we're going to be found out. They're going to figure out. We don't know enough. And I came up through the broadcast news world, and I had this weird-ass anchor cadence where it's like, if you watch, watch no local news, it's like, no, 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 no. Like there is a fire, there is a fair. And it's like, there's no differentiation. And I think a lot of times, even in the journalism world, you start as a green reporter um, with stuff like that. And then you just, the longer you're in the business, you become yourself, you become more comfortable in your own skin. Mm. And that's the journey for all of us. And that's definitely the journey. It took me a long time to get here. Um, You know, I never wanted to talk about any of my issues now it's the most favorite thing to talk about um i didn't want to talk about like having any sordid upbringing or you know i had mentioned you know growing up with an alcoholic father my mother was like in and out of jail she didn't want to be a mother and like i really raised myself and so i was so embarrassed of that coming up in my career and now you know it's the thing that i responded to when people finally said, oh, she probably got her job because her daddy made a call or like she grew up with a silver spoon in her mouth and it couldn't have been farther from the truth. And I was like, wow, no, I barely had a spoon with food in my mouth growing up, like much less a silver spoon. And my father is dead. And like, this is not my story. And what actually is more interesting is that it's most like everybody else's story. Like whether it's um, an alcohol situation, a death, a whatever, insert like you were saying there, like we all have stuff. And that's like the human condition that links us all. That's like, yo, I'm not perfect. You didn't work at a bank. I didn't get my MBA. And when I could finally get to a place where I was like, I know what I'm talking about and I don't need to BS and I don't need to pretend like I'm smarter or use fancy words to make people think like I know what I'm talking about. I actually do. And that took me a really long time. And now I give like zero fuck because those stories are the ones that resonate the most and they're the ones that are most real and the ones that so I think I went a little bit overboard with like what is the most embarrassing thing I can possibly talk about that's the thing I want to talk about well it's real I mean you know and and it's a part of your story and I think 
at least for us, like we respect you even more just from like what you've made of what seemingly people deem as kind of a mess, you know? No, I think, um, even like going through, we talked about earlier, um, freezing my eggs when I was 30, 31. It was another one of those stories that I thought, God, this is so embarrassing. Like I don't have kids. Um, my mentor, um, in broadcast news was a woman on morning Joe named Mika Brzezinski. She would always be like, are you going to have kids? Are you going to get married? I was like in my twenties and I thought I'm just married to my career. And then I became 30 and my baby maker was like, Oh my God, I want a baby right now. And Mm. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Like I didn't think I was going to be those sex in the city girls. And then I was that age. And then I looked at it and I was like, you know what, instead of being sad and scared on my own, I'm just going to document it and put it on good morning America (laughs) instead. And when I came out and talked about it, because I, I went into the office and they were telling me about the process. And I was like, Oh my God, I had no idea. Nobody showed me this. Like I did all this research online and like what the process was like. Nobody said like I had to put needles in my stomach. Like Mm -hmm. um, we forgot about talking about that part of the story. And so when I documented it, it's, it's a business story, like anything else, because nothing is more time, money and energy consuming than children. And when we get to our thirties is the time when we reach a stride in our career, but it's also the time when like we as women want just biologically, like we are baby maker and our biological clocks are ticking and, and sometimes screaming in my case. Mm. Um, and so it's something to really consider. And so when I showed all of that, I got a, a great response in it. And my next book is talking more about that idea and really getting to a place of like almost having a breakdown because I was just not in the right headspace of taking care of myself um, from Mm. working like crazy because, Mm. and I I felt like I was on the verge of a meltdown. um, Then I knew other people were on the verge of a meltdown. And like this whole idea of lean into everything and hustle was something that really drove me to, to a breaking point. And I was like, Nope, Nope, we're going to lean out. And whatever audience I have, I'm going to say like the idea that I had for so long in my career was, success would make me happy. When Mm. I got to CNN, I'd be happy. When I got, when I made a certain amount of money, I'd be happy. When I wrote my first book, I'd be happy. And I was never happy. Like I never got my Mm. brain to the other side of happiness. And what I realized is that I had the equation wrong and that happiness was actually a secret weapon to success that I didn't even think about. I didn't think like, oh, you know what? I should keep my workout. Um, But if somebody wants to have a meeting with me, like that's the first thing to go. Like a date with myself is the first thing to always go. You know, how often do we think about canceling on somebody else versus like canceling on ourselves? And what what I realized, you know, the hard way was responding to email in the middle of the night and, you know, just really just running myself to the ground was not as helpful to my career as really taking care of myself. And so for me, it was about being super raw, honest and like, I don't have a network to respond to anymore. And that's why, you know, I was able to talk about a really complicated subject through stories, because I think that that's the way we learn the best, or at least that's the way I learn the Mm. best is stories that we can relate to. It's so ironic because next week we have an episode coming out all about, um, IVF. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's just a conversation that we haven't had and we haven't 
heard besides your story, you know, that has been kind of public and out in the open because I think people take on the weight of their own struggle with it and don't feel like they can share and feel like there will be people out there who can, you know, kind of hold them and, and listen. So I just think it's so important. And, you know, like you said, the process is not easy. It's not like you can just go in, boop, 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 take the eggs out, put them in, you know, it is a long process, both emotionally and physically really taxing. So I just, I'm like really proud of you for being Mm -hmm. so open. And what is, would you share the update? What is the update? Yeah. Well, so first when you said that, I thought you said IBS and I was like, Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of switching. Switching gears. (laughs) I was like, let's talk about that. Oh my God. Everything actually colonics are everything. (laughs) We have a a whole other podcast. Um, if you don't poop too, that like that's not a happy day. But yes, IVF is also another thing that we should talk more about because when I came out with it, then women felt the license to, or the permission, I would say, to say, hey, I froze my eggs, or hey, I went through IVF, or hey, I had miscarriages, or hey, I had this abortion, or whatever. And it was like, these were some of my closest friends. And there were also viewers, or, you know, there were women who felt like, oh, like a, an ability now to just, share and talk and like I could get it and I don't get it I just had my own story and these were some of my best friends I was like I had no idea like bitch why did you not tell me this earlier Mm. and it was so interesting because when I finally like with money stuff too when I went first then it was like okay I'll show you mine here we go and Mm. more often than not somebody had a story that was related there and so I froze my eggs um gosh three years ago at this point and I have really gone on a kick of not you know it's not for everybody I wish I did it earlier I wish we did it like in high school it's just and seems like a no-brainer and there's just so much misconception people are like you're so young I'm like no actually when you go in and I've had friends in their 40s or near there and it's like sometimes you're closed for business sometimes you know there's Absolute. Sometimes there's, you know, everybody has their own story. Yeah. But I, I wish I would have done it even earlier. And, and it's something that you save for. It's super expensive. Um, it's like fifteen. It can be about fifteen grand. Yeah. You have to pay for like the freezing thing. Um, so that's a sub savings account right there. The Eggies savings account. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all of like putting it back in and there's a whole surgery and there's like everything that goes along with it. And you know what? Dudes don't have to think about it, but it's like anything else. Like, yes, sex to sex, but like, what are we going to do about it? Sit and cry? No, we're going to have to deal with it. And it is part of being like a boss bitch in so many aspects of our career. We, there isn't some modern feminism to it. Like we do want to be able to pay for our own dinner, but we don't want to. Yeah. Like there is this idea of, of traditional gender roles too. And so it cuts deep on a lot of levels. It cuts deep like in an emotional and feminine level. Um, and so for me, you know, my eggs, the only update I have is that they're still chilling. Literally. Literally. That's great. That's good though, right? Yeah. Because you got them out and yeah. they're chilling. They're chilling. Right? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, we just did a podcast on literally. We just did a podcast on this, but it's hard to figure out everything. Well, I Are think you guys doing that? Or do you have any questions? So oh, you're sweet. Yeah, no. Um 
Not yet. I, I it's so interesting. It. Yeah, I, I would, I will definitely, I will probably do it. I talked to the Dr. Bob Anderson, who's on the podcast and, um, you know, it's interesting you say we should do it sooner rather than later. And I love that because like, it makes sense. You have more eggs. And he was saying, oh, you should, you know, you don't need to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I kind of want to go in there and see what's up. I want to get, like, I want to see like what, not that I could prevent or um, increase my egg count in any way, but I just kind of want to know <laughs> what my yep. egg count well, is. Well, I think too, like we don't know until we know. And I have a lot of friends who can't get pregnant and you know, we spend a lot of our 20s or whenever we start becoming sexually active, not wanting to get pregnant and thinking it's so easy, like in the movies. And it's not. Um, and so I think it's realizing, too, that you want to look your fertility destiny in the eye and also realize, like, I was in a long-term relationship with a guy who already had a daughter and wasn't sure if he wanted to have kids. I sort of assumed that we were going to have kids and didn't and had that discussion with myself. And then I realized like he was probably not there. And my body is a dictatorship. It's not Mm -hmm. a democracy. And if I wanted to have kids, like that actually is up to me and Mm -hmm. you need physical material from firm to do so, but the decisions are up to you. And I needed to take that control back. And also I needed to think like, when it comes to planning, like I, I love planning for all these aspects. We talked about the three F. Even if you do have a couple of kids and maybe you want a third or a fourth or who the hell knows what's going to happen. You know, maybe you want your younger eggs because you can't ever get them back, even if you can conceive naturally. So it's all these different permutations that you really have to sit with yourself and say like, what do I want? And the hardest mm. part of this randomly was when they asked me, how long do I want to keep them in the freezer? out of everything. And I really, it it hit me because I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like when is my actual timeline? Is it six years? Is it 10 years? Like, am I going to need more? Who the hell knows what's going to happen? And so it's figuring out like what you want out and and kind of diagram your life as like unsexy as it sounds. Um, You know, kids are not like rainbows and butterflies. There's a lot of like, financial considerations to take into place and all of that, you know, marriage and kids can be very romantic, but it's also like super expensive and it's stuff that you really need to think through and plan through. And that's a boss bitch way to do it. Yeah. I can, yes, I can like, amen. And something that I've noticed, you know, just through the track of our conversation and kind of watching you online and watching your videos and, you know, reading your books is that like you have taken control of your life in every aspect. And, um, I think that's something that a lot of women, you know, need to take note of, or I need to take note of, or, you know, something for all of us to think about is taking control of your life and your happiness. Um, and then also too, it's really special that you always seem to love where you're at. So, you know, when you talked about being at your first jobs and, um, you found ways to love it. And I think even right now through your IVF process, you know, you find joy in the process, which is pretty difficult. So I think that is also amazing too. And then we touched on it earlier, but your authenticity and your vulnerability, you know, there's no way that with those three things that you couldn't be as successful as you are. And it's just a really special thing that you have those. And I'm so glad that you're able to be a pioneer and kind of work through finances, IVF, you know, all of these things for women on behalf of women, and then um, share your journey with us so that we can learn from it. Oh, 
hug you right now. You're the virtual sweetest. hug. I am real smelly. I am like I'm real smelly, but I would love to hug you. <laughs> I'll get in there. Thanks, ladies. You're the best. Oh, you're welcome. Truly. No, you're the best. We're so excited. And um, we're coming to New York this summer for a tour. So we would love to meet up with you. But whenever yeah. you're in LA, like, Truly. I would love to have lunch or, you know, maybe do an event with our ladies or something like that. But um, this has been really amazing and eye opening. And I couldn't be more grateful for, you know, the way you showed up to the conversation and how fun you are. Truly. That's all we look you for, guys basically. Rock. You guys rock. Let me know how I can be helpful for sure in any way. I think I have somebody uh, that just emailed me um, and I can send a book over if yes. you want and mm-hmm. I can do like giveaway or something. Awesome. Um, I can figure it out. With the Chloe? Our, yeah. Yes. Chloe, our producer. Yeah. Our, our listeners will freak out. They would love that. So we'll, we'll connect with you on that. Perfect. Yeah. If you guys want to do like some, I don't know what, you know, to what extent you're doing events, but like a boot camp. That would be insane. Truly. That would be insane. Yeah. I think it's so needed. It's so needed. And just to have like an open, honest conversation whenever we have our events, truly people walk out, like knowing that like whatever they just shared, one is safe, two is like met with, you know, such compassion because so many people are going through the same thing. So like, I think that would be so powerful. Yeah. I love it. Please keep me posted. Are, do you guys do ticket out events? Yes, we do. We do. We do. We've done them all in LA and now we're going on tours. So we're going to San Francisco, Boston, New York, uh, Austin, Dallas, Chicago, and Toronto. And yeah, we're, we're kind of paving the way as we go. You know, we're really learning that we've only been out for a year and a half, but we've experienced such like exponential growth that like, we almost can't not do this. If that makes sense. Like it's like a calling to like connect with the people that have been so engaged and supportive. So we just want to like meet everyone. It's like the best part of this, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So that's the well, plan. Well, if I can be helpful, please let me know. Thank you. You guys are crushing it. Thank you so much. We really, well, we look to people like you to inspire us. So thank you. You're the bomb. Um, But have a great day and we'll, we'll email you so we can set up that giveaway. Okay. Thanks ladies. All right. You're the best. Bye. Bye guys. Ugh. That's so cool, right? I love when people like at her level are really cool and warm. Yeah. Like she makes you feel good. You know what I mean? Like, Can we be honest with you guys? Sometimes we like don't know the people that we're having on and we meet them for the first time either in person or over Zoom. And like, because we're human, we're like, I don't know what they're going to be like, to be honest. Yeah. You know, because, you know? Yeah. Because you see like either pretty face or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, I she's don't know on CNN. She's on CNBC. She's, she's on Bloomberg. She is just so credible. She you know, has been in the game for a long time. So getting to know her and learning from her on the podcast is such a blessing. So also thanks for the recommendation, Almost 30 Nation. I know you guys shouted her out. So we were really happy to have her on um, and talk about all things money. You can find her at NicoleLappin.com. That's L-A-P-I-N. And then her book, Boss Bitch, is out. And Rich Bitch, you can also get to. The best guys. We love you so much. We are on tour. We will see you on the road. New York and Boston are coming up. So grab your tickets. New York is almost sold out. So is Boston. Uh Oh, and we will be going international in the new year as well. So stay tuned for that. Really exciting things happening over here. So pumped. 
so pumped. So pumped. All right, we love you so much. Have a great week. Bye.